Welcome to episode 31. I Yeah, I think so. <laughs> we took last week off, man. I know, I know. That's why I'm like, episode 31. Yep. Yep. And, uh, well, March just closed. You're a big part of it. Best sales month history of the company. Yep. Felt like we could announce that. I don't know. Felt like a good success story we could talk about. It was good. Yeah. Especially like March being the end of the quarter for most of our prospects and clients it's it can be a really good time to close but at the same time a lot of people are distracted by their own internal, internal reporting and so i was pretty proud of everyone yeah the end of the quarter is always great for us obviously but it's been like i wouldn't say if you were like what industry would you choose to enter right now or be like tech 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 like <laughs> you know we did have like a bank collapse yep and no funding really going on, and I think over 300,000 tech layoffs. So, I mean, it hasn't exactly been great, but what I thought was interesting is there's always this narrative around, and I was, like, sharing this on social, but there's always this narrative around, like, industries being Mm recession-proof. But I don't think anything is so much recession-proof, or if that's as much of the issue all times, as it is market positioning proof. In other words, like in any vertical, what I found is when things get bad, the best companies are usually spending more and taking market share. Yeah. Because the little ones who didn't have product market fit or price market fit or feature market fit, whatever you want to call it, of like why they weren't growing, they usually don't have as huge cash reserves. They usually don't have a ton of retention and then all of a sudden they start getting gobbled up by the big boys and i think a little bit directive is getting to that point now where it's serving the best players in each of the software verticals and that's who we were closing in march we were closing the market leaders in every vertical and i think that's what made us have a good march even when i know our peers who are agency servicing tech companies are having a hard time right now I think it's primarily because they're serving the middle and lower parts of the market while we're serving the upper part of the market and they're buying. And by the way, our churn, when we're losing accounts right now, we're losing the bottom half of accounts due to going in-house, right? The marketers are fighting for their jobs. They're taking, like, Peter, let's say. Not you, Peter, but just we'll, hey, Pete. Peter. We'll, Pete. We'll use, we'll yeah. use the word name Pete. So Pete's at some tech company. And Pete did Google Ads four years ago. And they're like starting to do layoffs. So Pete's like, whew, let me raise my hand. We don't need that agency. I can run the ads. So we have a lot of like in-house marketers scoping out their responsibilities, things they would have never done when they had budget. Mm-hmm. Now to keep their job, they're saying, look, we don't need this agency. I'll just do it. And so as an agency, if you're not getting out of this world results right now, your budgets are going to cut and people are firing you. But conversely, if you're servicing larger accounts – they're actually wanting to grow, so you're retaining your large ones, and larger ones are buying. Are you seeing something similar? But that's kind of my hypothesis on, like, industries. Yeah. I mean, I think we're, like you said, recession-proof probably might not be the the right term. We but, aren't. No. But, but at the same time, like, dealing with software and tech companies, like, digital is the majority of their growth. Always, yeah. And so at a high level, it's like you decide to – just end as a company 
or you at least keep the lights on or you get aggressive and you really lean in on digital growth, which that's our deliverables. And then, you know, I, I do see like the, the Pete scenario where it's like, Hey, let's take someone in house. We got a lower expenses here. But at the same time, attribution has gotten to the point where that won't last that long. Like if Pete really hasn't done it for four years, Pete's and hard time. he dives in and starts managing all these channels and all this money, attribution is now at the point, even in immature companies where it's going to stand out like, hey, this isn't working. And I love wasting Pete, money. And I trust Pete. But what are the chances Pete might just forget to do some of that attribution if things aren't going so hot? It's nice to yeah. have the third party to blame. It's nice to have someone fall on the sword and be like, what's all the data? Like, I got to go talk to the CMO in two hours. Yeah, but if it's not Pete, someone's doing it. Someone's Someone doing is it. making sure, and it's probably the CRO or the CFO, that it's tied to revenue. Correct. And so, yeah, it's just an interesting time where it's like, yeah, it's hard to invest money in something, but digital is the growth engine for the majority of our clients and 100%. our prospects. So that's where I haven't seen things slow down. If anything, it's, you know, we like long-term relationships. Yeah right we we're not just like an in and out type shop like we want to be on their team we want to grow their company through our channels and our deliverables and so the only thing that's tough is like the risk yeah but a lot of people are like oh we don't know what's going to happen in two months and we might lose it all so we need to be positioned for that like that's the only friction i've noticed i think you're spoiled i think right now tech is down bad bro i talked to some of our competitors we did have the best sales month in the history of the freaking company. Can you Google something for me real quick? Silicon Valley Bank collapse. I'm pretty sure this happened in March, Brady. I just want to. Oh, this was, yeah, three weeks ago, I think. Yeah, Silicon Valley Bank collapse. Uh, yeah, March, March 17th. 17th. Dude. We still did it during that. That's yeah. what I'm trying to point out to you is I think that speaks to the size of our pipeline, but to the point of serving the upper market. Mm-hmm. I called our competitors. They are not, or they were texting me being like, are you guys down right now? Are you struggling right now? And I think all of us are struggling on retention because our, when our contracts are coming up for renewal, budgets are getting tightened. Mm-hmm. That part I know. Nobody else was seeing pipeline Brady. Yeah. Like historical, like, you know, like we did something similar last year, kind of holding steady was more like the positive spin I was getting. Not, yeah, we blew it out of the water. Mm -hmm. Dude, you'd closed over like $2 million more than the previous month. Yeah. So I would say. Yeah, I definitely think. You got what I'm saying? They were from big accounts that were pre, like think about the ones that closed that made that up those were top leaders in each of massive verticals yeah that makes sense i mean that's all even before this like we have our minimums we have our level of engagement um yep and so i do agree if we were servicing smaller contracts minimal hours oh your budget's 4k a month like we got you you'll pay us 500 a month to manage it like if we were in that world i could definitely see like that's an easy easy budget just to cut bloodbath is oh we're only spending 4k on it but because we're in the upper market and it's such a robust engine that is fueling the company you have like almost million dollar spends on all this fuel you can't just like stop 
investing a million dollars to tighten it up and get more efficient and effective but they're not just cutting that function out of the business correct they're not saying we can go without advertising yeah and so we're at least quote unquote surviving i'd say on the renewals they're trying to figure out if they can do it for cheaper but for new business Mm -hmm. and that's the smaller ones i think the smaller ones and this is the hard part about what we do there's frankly two realities there's the we are a powerful agency that can help you get results. That's one reality. The other reality is we are as good as your product and customer service and sales team. Like those are two actual realities, yeah. Brady. I would say for the people who have bad product, customer service, and sales groups, we're having a harder time renewing those. And the groups, and regardless of us, and the groups that have good product, sales, and customer service, we're renewing those just fine. Does that mean we're a bad agency? Does that mean we got bad results? Or if you're on your sixth agency in six years, maybe there is no magic bullet in an agency. And that's as an agency owner, I'll tell you right now, we are not omniscient. We are not all powerful. We do not, can't fix, at least that directive, poor product, poor brand, poor sales, poor customer service. We can inform, we can help, we can partner. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like we are we can fix that. And so I would say we keep accounts and we do well on accounts. The truth is that in an agency, you do good on your good accounts and you have a harder time on your hard accounts. I don't know if there's any other truth than that. Yeah, we're not on the product engineering team. We try. Like I will inform on product. I'll inform on yeah, price. Yeah, we can influence it. We'll help with positioning. But if the CEO or the chief product officers just like piss off. Like... If you're the most expensive price and you have no customer support line or live chat, I'm already going uphill. And I'll tell you that when we're flirting essentially in the sales process, I'd say we're as transparent as direct and authentic as you can mm-hmm. humanly be. I think that's our secret to sales is we don't sell you. We just tell you the truth. And then if you decide to work with us, you'll work with us. And truthfully, when we work with good accounts, we look very good. We work with hard accounts. We work exceptionally hard, but it's like squeezing the last drop of juice out of that lemon. It sometimes doesn't go as well. Yeah. I mean, when you, it leads all the way to revenue, all those things matter. I mean, even as, well, as we're marketers, holding ourselves we accountable can, to revenue. Yeah. We we're can not, create yeah. pipeline. You know, right? I'm saying look at all the leads, right? Yeah. You could take a product and you can put a mask on it through marketing, you yeah. know, Everything digital isn't the actual product, but once it gets a proof of concept within a sales process, that's where, as marketers, we don't control that as much. No, and it's never an excuse, right? And that's what I love about marketing is, and being a consultant. It's like you can never blame the customer and you can never essentially give up. Yeah. But as the owner of a marketing agency, not the consultant on the account, what I can tell you is our best accounts that we you know, get to take the most credit for also are like just really good marketing groups that have great products, if yep. we're being honest, yep. and great sales teams and great pricing. Great, Like we do not, we are not magic workers. We are accelerators of your reality. And if your reality is poor, your acceleration is poor. If your reality is strong, your acceleration is strong. But Brady, all this agency talk gets me a little excited. About one of the wildest ads I've ever seen. Do you want to see this one? Yeah, you're explaining it to me, and I still. Well, I'm not even going to go with that one today. 
oh, this is different. This is yeah, different. I, I know nothing about this. You know nothing. I know. I, it's really good that I onboarded you at lunch to something I'm not going to do. But um, why don't you click on that first scroll so we can read it? Oh, my God. What a great click. That is exactly what I needed, actually. So I'm going to do some great radio for everyone instead of telling you to read the ad because you can't see it. I'm going to read it out loud. Um, on November 5th and 6th, Honda's car people saw several of the finest speculative pitches money can buy. In a period of 12 hours, over 300000 worth of out-of-pocket dogs and ponies went on display. Two days later, Honda had a new agency. I don't know if I'm saying Chiat Day. I'm going to try. Chiat Day lost a $4 million account. Needham, Harper, and Steers won an $8 million plum. I love that they mentioned the competitor who won, too. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yep. As Mac reported it, I'm guessing that's something from back in the day when I wasn't doing this. I'm guessing it's like an eight, like ad week. Yeah. So, as ad week <laughs> reported it, NHS met the the requirements that of a national first full service agency. And I think they ran this um, in the New York Times or something like that. What's like to lose? The classy thing for an agency to do after losing 25% of its business is to play it cool. Act like it's all a momentary inconvenience. That's a crock. We're not sophisticated enough to put on a fake smile and walk away from what we've done with Honda over the past five years. The truth is we got beat. What's worse, we got beat playing somebody else's game. We took a shame-faced shot at showbiz pitch artistry. And somewhere between third and the fifth act, some of the finest advertising ideas you'll ever see got swamped in a four-hour sea of Madison Avenue buzzwords. That's painful as hell. Show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser. (laughs) We're not sure where to credit that quote, but it's dead center true. We want to go on the record as bad losers. We want you to know we're mad as hell. Not at Honda. They're very real gentlemen doing business in our country according to our peculiar customs. Not at Needham. They did what they had to do and did it well after paying those dues at Continental Airlines. Maybe they had one coming. Oh, jeez. We're mad at a system. We're mad at the way big budgets get relocated. We're mad about all the instances we see and hear about where advertising becomes a battle of logistics instead of a battle of ideas. Most of all, we're mad at ourselves for voluntarily participating in an advertising gangbang. It's a hell of a word. Um, If this reads like sour grapes, you read it wrong. We don't think we could have changed the outcome, but the scary thing is that we could have changed us. The high cost of learning. I like how they do little sub bullet points. Mm -hmm. We spent a lot of money on the Honda presentation. We matched the other players dollar for dollar. Fortunately, we had a lot of money to spend. Still do. (laughs) Little flex. The real pain is emotional, not fiscal. We lost some billings, but we never worried much about billings. Lie. They happen. If the product's good, the market's there. Notice what I said before. And Honda aside, we added $4 million in 1974. We figured it'd do as well in 1975. We've still got the best account list in town. Quality. We've still got the best concentration of talent in town. Headhunters, spare your dime. We've got money in the bank. We've got plenty to do. We're back to our real business, not show business advertising business chiat day so i i'm curious i'm running directive i lose on a big account doesn't really ever happen but no i'm just kidding um let's say we lose on a big account and i do like let's say the current version of this is like a video on it Mm -hmm. what's your take i like it because it's authentic um and it kind of opens the curtain a bit. And I think it's, it's, 
it's a bold way to go about it. But at the same time, if you don't do it this way, I think the assumptions of the situation are far worse. Mm. Right. And so I think that's what they did in this yeah. article is they're like, well, if we don't say anything and we act like nothing's wrong, that make a, may make us feel good internally. But the external point of view on it is still going to be, oh, they're going downhill. They're shit. Their pitch must have been terrible. Right, all of the top of mind assumptions and perceptions. Well, and they lost the account. It wasn't just that they didn't win the pitch. They were essentially under. They were looking to renew. They were or, under reviewal. Yeah, and they lost to an incumbent mm-hmm. on a relationship they'd probably had for a while. Yeah, so I think without doing something like this, the natural perception is like, wow, they must have been do- doing something really bad to lose that. Right. Or, yeah, and but- I think in that industry. Especially back then, everyone probably talks. Our industry, we don't really know who loses what account right now or gets one. Do you? Like, it's not public knowledge. I mean, in the sales process, I know who of course. they're currently working with, so I I have that. But insight, it wouldn't but... be so much knowledge that you'd run an ad on the fact that you lost this big account. No. But I think it would be if we lost, like, Honda. Yeah, I mean, this is the stuff, like, we have that client... As AOR, too. That's a little different, too. It's like running yeah. the TV ads for Honda is mm-hmm. a pretty big deal. Like, Winmo, remember that yep. company? They do Correct. this level of announcements for CMOs changing, and because that CMO change is happening based on Everybody that knows. CMO's history, they're, they have a high confidence that they're going to be changing agencies. Yeah. Like, it's that type of news. So Correct. I think at that level, it happens often. And there's that level of media agency for these global brands where it is very public and talked about. Yeah, and Chiat Day is not small. No. I don't know who they are now or if they even exist as this. Now, personally, I didn't really understand it because they said we took a shame-faced shot at showbiz pitch artistry. And somewhere between the third and fifth act, some of the finest advertising ideas you'll ever see got swamped in a four-hour sea of Madison Avenue budwords, and that's painful as hell. In other words, it sounds like Honda created some type of RFP process, and they were doing all this stuff. I don't get it. So, like, let's say you look at it, right? I always do everything. I think there's two ways to look at things. You can look at things for uh, when you think you're too important. I remember one of our competitors posting something on LinkedIn where there was like, you know, we did layoffs. Also. I was like, why'd you post that? Like, nobody should know that. It doesn't help you competitively. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they talk about like these things. And I'm like, so always, whenever I think about what I'm articulating, I try to put it through the, how my audience will read it. So let's say you're Toyota, right? Cause you now no longer have Honda. So you could probably work with Toyota. I wouldn't say I'm more likely to hire Chiat Day after reading this than before. That's my only criticism in the sense that they lost, but they lost, they said, for being something they're not. I didn't, I didn't yeah. really. So I think they hope Toyota's perception is like, okay, that that's terrible for them. But it sounds like this could also be terrible for Honda. It sounds like they made a mistake. They could have done something and they're equipped to do something that would have kept them. But they've, for whatever distraction, didn't do so. Maybe we can get what they should have done. 
in this moment. So that I, they kind of try to frame it that way, where it's like, we could have kept Honda. We have all the talent to do so. We have everything to do so. We just made a mistake. And it sounds like they were maybe distracted by this other agency and did things where they now regret doing it whether it be the RFP or just knowing what they were pitching and try to align with it, or maybe just thinking they will impress Honda by doing this one thing. That's what that section said to me was like, we could have kept it. We have all the talent to crush it. We just got distracted and made a mistake. What's the difference between show biz pitch artistry and pitching? Ain't a pitch always show biz, baby. Well, that's where I, I'd that, have to see this in video form to like know like what what are they talking about there? Yes. Like, like who they, thinks their ideas are that good? No did offense, they hire Chiante. an actress to yeah. do the pitch yeah. and that didn't go well versus having their strategy team and market team Which do it a like they used quote. to. I don't get it. It's like, baby, well, this is show business. I'm not in advertising. I'm in show business too. What are you talking about? It's winning the pitch. Yeah, I just I have no yeah. clue what that actually means to them. Well, I just think it's kind of arrogant to think, like, the client just has to see the right idea and then I'll win the pitch. I don't know. For me, I've known it's never been about ideas. It's about relationship, confidence and execution, trust, and some type of emotional feeling about a firm Mm -hmm. is way more important than, like, oh, we could use Betty crocker or this part like or whatever like there yeah what i is- think it could have been something else i think our version of showbiz within pitching is maybe what they like to do would have done if they could have done it again and they did this category of showbiz that we well, yeah, th- we've never spent 300k on a pitch and this is in 1974 can you search three hundred thousand dollars adjusted for 1974 inflation i'm curious if we can figure this out there we go. 1.8 mil. See that, Scarlett? 1.8. We ain't ever dropped 1.8 on a pitch, so I think that is a little... I like showbiz. I don't know if I like $1.8 million showbiz. What would you... What would... <laughs> Brady, how... Okay, so let's, let's sidebar. little tangent. How would you spend $1.8 million on a pitch? Did they make their own... How many Hondas did they make for the pitch? Because they spent. Yeah, I'm trying to because <laughs> that four million in 1974 adjusted, that was roughly 12x. So that adjustment's what 48 million, which isn't. It's a pretty big account. Well, that was just talking about their yeah, yeah. earnings in Correct. 1974 in general. Like yeah. they're like, we're so good, we made four million, so that's adjusted to 48 million. Yeah. I'm just saying. Oh, Chiate, they did the 1984 commercial. That's oh, pretty dope. Yeah, we covered that. We did. But you got, like, I don't I don't know. Like, I, if I were to take that whole ad out, I don't really know what they're saying is my point. They I didn't think, say anything. <clears throat> I think they're just trying to control perception. They felt like. No, I know they are. If they don't say something, then everyone's going to say what they don't want. I don't know. What did they say? That's where I'm stuck. I think they said that they could have kept Honda, but they made a mistake and got distracted and pitched the wrong way. There's... Why were they even put up for a review? You see, like, yeah. 
Because I don't think they just had one-year contracts back then. Unless I'm missing something. I don't think the Honda account was a one-year contract. Yeah, and they, it says they saw several pitches, so they they might just have these seasons where they have to. No, they were up for reveal, so they had a two days and on-site. Everybody flew out, and they did their pitches, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like... Uh, you see in Mad Men where they walk in and out of the door, like, all right, good luck. They just saw the best thing we've ever done, right? So I guess what I'm saying is, like, your Chiat Day, what do we, what do, like, I'm Toyota, I read this, what do I think about them? On the positive, not like what happened. Mm-hmm. What, because you're saying they want to control the narrative. Completely agree. That is exactly what they're doing here. And I love that they did that. That's why I love this conceptually. My issue is when you control something, it needs to go from Chiate lost the account because they didn't have good ideas. Is I guess what they're inferring. Mm. But Chiate is like, ha ha. They did not lose because somewhere between the third and the fifth act, some of the finest advertising ideas you'll ever see got swamped in a four hour sea of Madison Avenue buzzwords. So they just sent the wrong pitch team? Like, well, it almost sounds like their frustration was the other pitches were bullshit, but Honda ate it. Maybe that's what that line is saying. Yeah, I don't know. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because they're like, look, we had the best ideas. So am I supposed to read that and just be like, I guess if I want ideas, go to Chiate? Yeah. And so maybe Toyota thinks like, damn, Honda really screwed up. And that's what. I think there's a better way to write that, though. Is where I get stuck on this whole thing. Yeah, like I mean, it sounds is... like it was written in anger and emotion, not logic and strategy. Well, that's where I actually thought the if this reads like sour grapes, you read it wrong. I kind of like where they dropped that. I do too. Like I thought that was smart. Well, yeah, they're world class copywriters. Don't get me wrong; they're way better at writing than we are these days. This was what they did for a living. This is their art. Yeah. I just don't know what I now think about Chiat Day. That's the only problem I have with it. Is I don't know what I, you want me to think about you, the outcome of this ad, and I don't think you know. I don't think either of us know what they want us to think about them. Yeah, in my mind, it's like if I was Toyota, I would think it's still it's worth giving them a shot. I guess they're not going under. I guess is maybe yeah. that's what they're saying. Maybe the narrative was Chiat Day's gonna be out of business. Yeah, we took a bullet, but we didn't die. Yeah, like right there. I mean, they spent. Look, think about that. Uh, a quarter of the ad is one way to look at it, right? A full right call. Mm-hmm. To say, fortunately, st- we had a lot of money to spend, still do. I mean, they spent a quarter of it to say, we ain't broke. Mm-hmm. We lost some billings, but we're never worried about billings. They ha- That, by the way, if you meet an ad agency, not more worried about billings than anything else, you've met a liar. <laughs> but that's just a fact. And then a Honda aside, we added $4 million in 1974. So that actually isn't saying what I thought it was saying. They're not saying they added $4 million to Honda. They're saying they lost the $4 million account on the very beginning. Chiade lost a $4 million account mm-hmm. and they replaced it with $4 million in other accounts in 1974. Yeah. So that's actually what they're saying. Oh my gosh. They're not saying we're Chiade come with us. They're saying we lost Honda, but we're not dead. Yeah. That's actually what they're saying. Cause I've been trying to figure out this whole time of like, why you'd get Toyota. Because my brain obviously goes, I lost Honda. I got to get Toyota. That's how my brain works. Their brain was like, we lost Honda. And now they, what probably happened is people were like, you know, are you guys still going to be around in six months now that you don't have the Honda account? Mm-hmm. 
And it sounds like they ran an ad to say, like, we're good, even though we lost us. Yeah. Which I guess would be different. We don't we aren't living in nineteen seventy four in this world, but it does appear to me that they're literally saying, Yeah, we lost. There it is. That's what actually happened. So read on the first uh paragraph, what's it like to lose? That's, yeah, twenty five. Now I'm getting it. That's what they did here. So that's the purpose of it. The classy thing for an agency to do after losing twenty five percent of its business is to play. Yes. They lost such a high concentration of an account that everybody thought Chiate wasn't gonna survive. Mm-hmm. And this is what it was actually about. Like, they lost, but they're not dead. Not, essentially, Toyota, you should hire us. We're the best. It was, uh, we got caught up in the game. We lost 25% of our business, but we've got plenty of money in the bank. The best talent in the game. We don't do show business. We do advertising. Now I get it a little more. Sorry. I, it, sometimes it's hard to actually know what the heck they're doing if you're not alive back then. Yeah, it's... The copy, the way it's written, just I'm not sure how these correct how this scene looked back then. Without like, the context, maybe yeah. when you lose a quarter revenue, the <laughs> standard thing that happens is you just bleed out as an agency and you're done in oh, the next you. five years and all everyone who keeps you afloat, they fail with you. Kind well, of you've thing. never like, lost twenty five percent of revenue, bro. No, I don't know what that would <laughs> if we lost twenty five percent of revenue on one account, I'd take out an ad too. So now I think I'm actually getting what they did. And imagine, I don't know if Chiate was publicly traded at this time. So imagine if they have publicly shared financials too. And everyone yeah, this could be investor communication. Could be investor relations. Yeah. It could be stock control narrative on price. But yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, just, that was cool to read through. I know. Something a little different for today's show is a little yeah. ad for the ad agency so you think this was newspaper the just the i would imagine or maybe a giant plane no, okay media <laughs> magazine <laughs> it's just it's drifted out a like big a banner seas came blimp <laughs> yeah yeah no it's gotta probably be like new york times i'd guess it would be like where you put something like this but oh, man imagine losing 25 percent of the business on one pitch I'd probably take out a <laughs> I'd take out an ad too. They did a good job of not blaming Honda, but they also were like, you know, this industry can suck, essentially. That's part I didn't get. I wish they saw the angle that was like why they're the best. Except other than they're using the word gangbang, which I thought was funny. Um, I do think they could have written this in such a way where I didn't know what Chiat Day was the best at. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I wonder if the other 75% was split up amongst a handful of accounts or if they have another big oh, one that's up. 25%. Yeah. It's well. up right now too. Yeah. I bet you they have a couple high concentration back then. It was a lot more like that. Yeah. But what do you got for us today? Mine is very new school okay. compared to that. Um, it's a very recent ad. Bro, I tried to buy these. What happened? <laughs> What the heck? Are they out of stock? Well, no. Myra. Okay, so my wife. I was, I was, I was texting her being like, because I think this is on me. I washed my AirPod Pros. I didn't take them out of my nice. pocket. Were they clean? Did you get all the earwax out? I didn't. Did not play music? Yeah, already I did. Nope, they play. The microphone's not working so well. Okay. So, Scarlett was out of town. Vacation lifestyle. 
and I wanted new headphones, and I had this trip coming up on a Friday, and I was just slammed. So I texted Myra because I knew she was going to be by, like, the Apple store. And I was like, hey, could you swing in, babe, and grab me the new AirPod Pros? She said there are new, no new AirPod Pros, just the ones you already had, or Generation 3 on the AirPods. Mm-hmm. So now I am really confused – yeah, we can look. We'll go and, to the site after to see. All right, all right, all right. Because usually they would say AirPod Pro 2s. Correct, exactly. And this is from two weeks ago. I have the AirPod Pro. So I don't know if now they're just running ads for the AirPod yeah, Pro. Yeah, we'll, we'll look into it because I'm not sure there is a new, new I know because I AirPod saw Pro. this ad on, I don't know if this ad, but I saw an ad for the AirPods Pro. Advertising works on me. It works great on me. That's why I DM'd her. And I was like, hey, babe, like the mic's not working. Can you get me? the new AirPod Pros when you're by the Apple store. And she sent me the whole diagram. Like, they don't have them, all this stuff. And I was like, huh. I'm like, I swear I saw an ad. Unbeknownst to me, you're bringing me the ad. <laughs> Sorry, Myra. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know about this situation. Yeah, this all, like, literally, this is just what happened to me uh, literally on Thursday. That's why I'm like, what the heck? All right, so let's see it. I want to see how, this is some funny, this is good content. I want to see how they did the marketing, too. Go back really quick. I think I saw it. Like, just two seconds, a little more. Is this right just there, up to play, 2X? Very bottom. Compared to AirPod Pro first gen. So there is a second gen. Baby girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Brady! How could you? <laughs> Look, in the fine, fine print, it says release 2024. I'm oh. kidding. <laughs> so outside of your personal <laughs> situation around... The AirPods. I knew they had. <laughs> I blame the Apple worker who told her there's not a new one. I agree. They do say second generation. Okay. Um, I thought the ad was brilliant. It, it was brilliant such ad. an awesome visual representation of the noise cancellation. <laughs> like just the way it was so simple, but obviously the budget on it. Yeah. Like it. It was well it was pretty produced. Good budget. It was entertaining. Like. Even the science experiment volcano. Just, I love the details. I love how they humanize the experience of their product. I, I think I've shown on this show even the very first AirPods where the person's dancing and everything. Yeah, and with you, the cord. And, yeah, and then they get rid of the cord and they're dancing and you're like, oh, that's sick. Like, they, like are we ever doing all of these things at once? No, but it feels exceptionally human and relatable while being completely out of this world. Mm-hmm. Like a guy's on a jackhammer floating. 
Yeah. To well, that, start. The ja- yeah, and then he was on the ground and it, she was ordering food. So that's when you would want to hear another yeah. person like, oh, Correct. is this what you want? And this is how much it is. Correct. But the concept is so simple. But she didn't take one out of her ear. I thought that was brilliant. So I go back. I want to show this yeah, Well, scene. she just pinches it to turn on and off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I do in mine. Do you have these? I just have the first generation. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I can imagine two times better than the first. Because the first one's pretty dope. Yeah. I wouldn't say the first one I was having a hard time with. Yeah, I mean, on an airplane is when I use them. And if but you I do... use mine every day. Like, I legitimately use mine all day, every day. See, I use my cord at work. Just because I see everyone's, like, headphones jump to another. I have another mic. Well, yeah, good. so my mic on my wire headphones when I wear something like this, it rubs on it, and I can't hear it. So, I don't really... <laughs> but watch this. Like, I love this part about chip play. I just want to show this again because she orders. Oh wait, do they show both ears? Do so you go back? I want to see if they show both ears. I, th- I think that's interesting to me because that's also like trying to show them changing human behavior. Because like currently, it would be disrespectful to a certain extent to have like both AirPods in and order. Yeah, because people don't know you can hear kind of thing. Yeah, and it's just yeah. like, it's not usually considered a sign of respect mm-hmm. to talk to someone. Like, imagine, it's like I, this is me being old head, right? But imagine like talking to like a 12-year-old right now and you're trying to like have a conversation with them and they keep both their headphones in. That pissed me off. Wouldn't that piss you off or am I crazy? I mean, I... Imagine talking to your nephew right now. Your nephew comes over and you're trying to have a serious conversation with you and they have both headphones in. I mean, if I could hear them playing music... Then yeah, but if they're talking to me, you wouldn't you wouldn't care if someone's talking to you with both head. Come on, no. you wouldn't mind as long as I know like I am what they're attended How do you know? to because of the, just the level of conversation. And <sighs> I may say that because I do it like whenever I'm doing like mowing my lawn, I have my AirPods in, and if my neighbor comes over to talk, I just pause the music, open up the noise cancellation, I talk to him. You don't take I don't one take out. It out. You keep both in. I mean, he knows I hear what he's saying. And I'm talking back. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not like <laughs> Scarlet's face. She's shaking. Am I crazy? Because it was like no. I'm not like dancing and, and being like, yeah, whatever. Yes. Yeah, see, I can hear better. So what about it, your wife, if you have both headphones in, she's trying to tell you something. I mean, I guess that never happens. Okay. But I even think <laughs> like Scarlet's like, no way. I make him take. Yeah, this is I what think I'm when you. So when you turn off the noise cancellation, I think it amplifies sound. <laughs> yes, I love so the I can hear better. Skin. That is the Brady. Like, it's if like you a hearing Brady cram. That to me is the perfect Brady cram. And I have bad hearing, yes. so my wife probably likes it. She's like, "Oh, you can hear better <laughs> with AirPods." I love Brady. He's my favorite. Have you noticed that? Like, you can hear subtle sounds. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. If but you I have the noise to... canceling off, because it sends audio through <sighs> yes. the headphone. I needed a good Brady moment. That's the ultimate Brady cram. <laughs> I can hear better this way. I'm helping you. I'm everyone. a sales guy. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm a stubborn sales guy. <laughs> you, that is, I love you, man. That is um, so you. I, I thought this was shocking to me. Like, this to me was changing human behavior. So she has it in her right ear here. And yeah, then when I mean she's ordering, see. you can't see her right ear. That's but what, then it shows in the left ear. Is so. that what's happening? I just want to confirm that real quick. I, I thought... Okay, so... Oh, never mind. Yeah, so that's her left, left ear, ear now. She, they don't visibly... She doesn't take it out. They don't... Dang. Okay, so I'm not crazy though, Scarlett. No, you're not. Peter? If someone's yeah. talking to you with the headphones on, do you feel like, take your headphones off, or are you... It hasn't come up, but it'd probably annoy me, I'm guessing. 
<laughs> Brady's like, <laughs> Brady's face. I mean, over ears, sure, but <laughs> okay, the ear. as long as I pause my music and I turn off noise cancellation. No, that's what they're, that's, trust me, that yeah. is what they are saying. I think it's brilliant for Apple. That's why I wanted to call it out. I was like, did she just order without taking her AirPods out? Because to me, I will do it. Like, if I'm on a call with somebody, right? let's say I uh, get done with lunch and I'm trying to run to Bodie Leaf. Mm-hmm. And I'm on a call and I'm always on a call. Like I am literally always on a call. And so I go in and I'll tell the person I'm talking to one sec, I got to order. I'm going to put you on mute and then I'll take out the headphones order and I'll put them back in. I think sometimes I've had them in cause I couldn't mute. The person was talking and I'm like, and they're like, do you want the normal? I only go to one spot. And I was like this and they just do the normal thing. But I feel horrible in this moment. I am like, that's just like my brain. Cause I just, this is how I'm wired, though. But that, I can imagine new gener- like generation X or whatever, to me, definition of headphones, ordering, who they're targeting, normal behavior. And they probably think I'm crazy, man, yelling at clouds. You're one with the people, bro. Yeah, you can hear better. You can and better. don't they don't they disconnect? Like a wild take. They can disconnect when you take them out. Yeah, you never know. You don't want to lose no, one they- of them trying to put it in your pocket. For me, it's all about the engagement. <laughs> yeah. Right. If they know you're listening and you're not like dancing because oh he's still listening to music and he's ordering coffee. But as long as you're attentive and you're holding the conversation, who cares what's in your ears? Your boyfriend or fiance is gonna have this now and just like as a clip, like look, honey, you can hear better. Got you. (laughs) Preston, keep them in. Keep them in. (laughs) Dang! I love how Scarlett's face when you said it was like she was literally like. What? My dad would have slapped him out of my ears and be like, what? I get those out of ears. I was like, if he was trying to talk to me and I was like, what? Because <laughs> like, yeah, if you're like that. If you're like being a little like crap, like little. But if he's like, trying to talk to you, you're like, yeah, I hear you. Even better now that these are still in. I don't I don't think my dad would have played that at all. I don't know. I'm just trying to think like maybe <laughs> when we're on an airplane would be the only time that would happen. And I'm pretty sure I would just pause the music, open it up and say, what's up? What do you need? All right, all and right. then go back to it. I love it. Now you're gonna be thinking. I mean, about you take them out, you drop them, it rolls down the aisle. Oh, yeah, you don't want to be that. Yeah, falls into the washer. Like even when the little the cart person comes by, I'm always like, I take one out to make sure I can hear them. You know, it, yeah, yeah, I, I might do that. I don't know. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love Birdie. He's like, I know. I gotta make sure I hear him. <laughs> He's yeah. amplifying. Go to their website, will you, Scarlet? Because I want to really see. Like, okay, they're really. I'm not crazy. Right. Yeah, they're out. Yep, and they're available. Yep, right there at the store. Yep. That would have been good. I need these. I, people can't hear me right now when I'm on the mics. I can hear the music fine, but I think when they got washed, the noise canceling, and I do a lot where it's noisy, it's, dra- it's not being able to tell the difference between my voice mm. and the background noise is what I think is happening. How much are they? 250 That's so affordable for how often you... Like, this product... Have you seen how much money they make on the AirPod Pros? Have you seen that graph? No. Okay. Do uh, Air uh, AirPods versus um, tech company graph. Look at that one oh, right there. Oh, they just segment out this the is, AirPod dude, business unit. This is going to blow your mind. Look how big. Damn. Like, dude, AirPods alone is bigger than Uber, Adobe, NVIDIA, Spotify, Square, Shopify, AirPods. That's pretty badass. That is pretty crazy right what a great product i mean i i love the product and that's why i love the ad i tried to be a beats guy for a little while yeah 
the I think you're telling me about fit right. I don't know. It's <sighs> I mean, I love that ad because it's one of the products where I always tell people, oh, I love my AirPod Pros when I'm on a plane, when I go to the driving range. Yep. Um, having conversations. I love them. Yeah. And so I felt like that ad represented almost my personal pitch. It just, is your personal pitch. That is why you like them. Yeah. And just the whole concept of all the noise floating up when you have it on and dropping down. and They, they missed a key value prop, though. You can hear better? You can hear better. I If that's true, so that would be an insane value prop. And then if five years from now, everybody's walking around with headphones and Brady, I'm going to lose it. And I'm going to think of this moment. Well, I was thinking, because I've just noticed it subtly. Yeah. And for me, it's like I hear noises in the house that are far away, but it sounds close, just the way that technology works. So I think Apple, they should have settings, if they don't already, to have it somewhat of a hearing aid. Where it's, you could choose it. Because right now, it's just, it is what it is. Cram. They use the mic, I think, to then have the audio go through the headphone because the plug itself is well, noise canceling. If it was like a hearing aid, aid value prop to that product, I would pay extra money for AirPods Pro Pros. Imagine just like all the all the snoops around the world, you know? You could eavesdrop with it. Oh, yeah, dude. They start, That's kind of cool. They The double tap is to put it in the listening mode. Yeah. There's <laughs> listening. That would be pretty crazy. So that, that could be an additional feature where it oh. seems like they have the tech built in. They just don't have the settings. I love it. I love it. So we got some topics to discuss today. Scarlet was getting some together for us. The internet was going crazy over this, huh, Scarlet? Yeah. Why? They think that the designer just was crazy when he was inventing the new logo. What if it wasn't a he? He, she. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I can't like I don't even know why does this always happen though when they do this design stuff they always are like okay so I everybody hates on the design stuff of how you sell a million dollar logo but I think it's just because they're not selling million dollar logos let's see the graphics can we see yeah. the graphics so right? this is actually covering the last logo oh this... so the last logo is where they spend I think a million dollars on the pitch and the design of it and it was all about like the gravitational pull in the design itself. I kind of freaking love it. I'm not going to. I mean, I just love that an agency was able to sell this for a million bucks. Well, I don't know if they sold this for a million dollars. They sold a logo redesign for a million dollars. Yeah. But and this was a part of the process. If you want to know why did we pay a million dollars? Well, for magnetic dynamics. Yeah. <laughs> As an ex Fiverr the Pepsi universe goat, I think I can say that I was pretty good at Fiverr when I was doing Fiverr. I could have done this for five bucks, and that's why you need the gravitational pull. So wait, yeah. I like that they connect it to the aisle, like Pepsi aisle sixty degree, Pepsi aisle thirty degree. So are they saying the at, angle you see the see can on in the aisle? Because this actually. So attraction theory, establishment of a gravitational pull to shift from a transactional experience to an invitational expression is so good. Can you search attraction theory for me? I want to see if that's even remotely true or if they just made up their own theories because that makes me respect them even more. You might be able to find this whole pitch deck. You think so? Yeah. Oh, give me like just a quick definition 
more theory of attraction. Yeah, like the right, now. right. There we go. In social psychology, the theory of attraction describes why we feel attracted to certain people and how we choose friends. It can help us understand how people connect with others in online communities. It can also provide some insights into the traits of effective community. Oh, it's a social media day. Okay, great. Well, I don't think it totally has to do with gravitational pulls and Pepsi logos. But what an application of a theory, Brady. I mean, speaking, I mean, for you making your little comment about your AirPods help you hear better. This is on a whole other level. Yeah. This is Brady Cram at his finest. Could you do a deck like this? I don't even know how to. I don't know if I could do it. I mean, you'd have to staff like a physicist team. Because what's the light year? At some points, I feel like they're kind of just screwing with me. Yeah, this is. What's this about? The universe expands exponentially. (laughs) Wait, okay. The. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so some of this is just one light year. The ultimate miles You know how they say hour. that our industry is all BS? This is what people are referring to. Because I'm like, I have never done any of this. So the, when they did the Pepsi Galaxy, I kind of thought they'd have like maybe different flavors within the galaxy and all the different types of Pepsi flavors connected. Wait, what's this? Well, it's almost one? like it's Energy not like this is a fields? brand new logo. Like this logo compared to the previous one for this deck, they almost did it reverse to where it's like, okay, let's take the basic logo and let's try to apply as much crazy shit to it as possible and make it the pitch. Cause it's not like they did all this physics, math, and universe studying and then it spit out this logo that no one's ever seen. Well, I feel like they kind of, there it is. The Pepsi logo design doc is still utterly unbelievable. I think, okay, so this is. Oh yeah. They did all these expressions to it as well. These guys are, is this Chiate? No. Oh, who is, who is, who group is this? Let me see. No down. Let's see if it'll, uh, right. A new logo. Arnell group. They thought it was a hoax. Oh, there's our boy Jaron right on this. Dude, no, this is real. The gravitational pull of it. I mean, as a client though, they just eat this up. In Arnell's group's defense, showing like the world and how it ties to the Pepsi logo. Yeah, if you're going to go oh. against Coca-Cola, you got to bring in gravitational poles into your logo design. I love this. Just flexing on them in the most wild. Like, this is why we're doing one of, if we're being honest, the most simple logos the world has ever seen. Yeah. Let's go back to the tweet, the original tweet there. I mean, I kind of like the facial expression. I did too. How, it can, how you can play with the logo and... So Will you click that real quick? I want to see this as Pepsi change your logo. I just want to see. Is that March 28th? Yeah. So the one on the right is the new logo, but the old one is being brought up because of how much money was spent on it. And now Pepsi's admitting like it needs to change. So that's why the old one. Yeah, click up the logos through the years too real quick, Charlotte, so I can see them all. Sorry. It's just easier for me yeah. to see what we're looking at. Okay. So we're pretty much going back to 1987. Oh, so they're making fun of the Arnell group from 2008 who came up with the gravitational pull. Well, they're kind of making fun of Pepsi because they spent so much money on that version and they're changing it. Does the word P 
Pepsi look weird in black font or am I just crazy for that? Like uh, read it out loud in your brain. Like just really just look at the letters and look at it. That kind of does look a little different to me. What do you like most, Brady? So, Which one's your favorite logo for Pepsi and why? Other than gravitational pull. The reason why... So my favorite logo, I guess, first question. I kind of like the 98 to 2007. Just, I like that era. Okay. And I feel yep. like soda in my life fit that was, into that era. That was a big time for you. That was a big soda time for that me. That was a very big soda yeah. time for you. What um, are you, little seven-year-old Brady running around? Were you a Pepsi guy or Coca-Cola guy? Whatever I get my hands on. Ooh, you're just a sugar guy. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. Back to schooler to be specific. Uh, but, ooh, okay. Um, so I, I like that one, but that's more personal to me. It what, does feel like the 90s in a logo, doesn't it? Yeah. And like the graphics behind it. Yep. Um, I don't mind the last logo they did. I like this one because a part of the process of developing it is they asked people to draw the Pepsi logo. Okay. And a lot of people included pepsi in the logo okay in the previous two versions the name pepsi was separated from the logo understood yeah so i liked how they just simply did market research this time to see how does the market perceive our brand in and align with that to 2007 it looks like it was separate as well correct um I don't think they yeah, old, yeah 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 they could them separate yeah and then the old old ones didn't even have the the two marks yeah, yeah the yin and yang kind of thing going on well social media is a big reason why we have the circular marks that are separate from the names today but i think it's also a gap so in other words they did a lot of the logo mark being separate from the logo words Mm -hmm. um for social purposes so if you notice all of our profiles if you're running a corporate account so like go to uh pepsi twitter on a separate tab real quick yeah i'll show you what i mean by this why yeah why this is valuable i I don't mind it so what the heck? You guys didn't update your... I mean, come on, Pepsi. That's pretty wild. That's just... That's insane. That's kind of pathetic. I'm going to be honest, Pepsi. What the heck are you doing? Like with all this buzz going yes! on? Yes! It's enough for us to bring it up on our... Like you know, even if they weren't officially ready to release it because it's not on the cans yet? Let's go to their website. Let's just make sure what we're talking about At least flip it digitally. Pepsi website. Yeah, like Pepsi.com or something. Where's the new logo, Brady? I don't think this was April Fool's. <laughs> are we getting duped right now? Brady, I swear to God. Did you just dupe us on our yeah, show? let's look it up. No, Pepsi Reveals. Yeah. Okay, wait. Click on that ad age report real quick. Because there were Sorry. April Fool's things with like UPS made a soda can. and. Oh, well, yeah. It's just, it's, I knew nothing there is April stupider Fools. than April. F- f- like, not, to me, nothing is less funny than like, got you. <laughs> but maybe that's just me. It's like puns is to me the lowest form of copywriting. This fall, okay, that's not, so it's not, what the heck, why do you, well, I guess you release it, but then won't give it to us as a weird, I guess you have to still, it's a product, so you have to produce the product. Yeah, until like it's on the cans in the market, they but won't digi- change it on the site. Yeah, I guess, sorry, just digitally, I thought you were going to lead us forward. Um, so, dude, if you're an agency and you get them to, if you, and let's say you have all their creative, you know how good it is? For your billings to get them to do a new, re- I mean, new website, Everything. new product shots. I mean, I new commercials. That is brilliant. A little. We should start redoing logos for clients because if we start redoing logos, 
We gotta fix all the app campaigns. Yeah, there's so many applications. These hours don't just Even fall on this off home trees. Page, there's that <laughs> mango just... one floating around. To my point about agencies knowing billings, I'm like, oh my god, this is genius. So I didn't notice something else. So if you go back to the Pepsi, um, yeah. It are there increments of logos lasting, lasting less? So their initial logo, yeah. they changed pretty quick, which ninety-eight I, which to get, 04. Gets. That's normal. Right, five to forty nine is wild. Right, so you got forty four. You have thirty six years. Thirty six. And you have ten. Ten. And you have nine. nine. Then another long sprint. What? How? My math is so bad. How many? Sixteen. Six. No, it's fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. I was curious about that. I kind of like the top right too the most. Uh, I like the logo and the name combined. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important for social. If we go back to that Pepsi on Twitter real quick, that I'll show you guys the, on no, uh, the other tab right there. That, to me, is why you need to have the name in the logo. I think that's a huge miss for them. Mm-hmm. Like, watch, click on it. Imagine if that's everybody. Yeah, gas station. It, for some reason, their logo is so tied to the gas station feel. Or a feather. It looks like a feather that's falling. Well, it's actually the gravitational pull of the oh, yeah. universe. So, yeah, a smile is being yanked into that. the top right corner. Or feel it. I kind of feel it now. I'm like almost being pulled out of my chair just looking yeah, at it. Magnetically, yeah, magnetically. I do understand what you're saying there. Yeah, I mean, I know why people are freaking out, but they weren't freaking about the new logo. They were freaking out more about... They are freaking out that they... Spent a billion dollars. ...are admitting that... It was BS. ...they should change it after probably showing off that investment and bragging about the new design and how it's developed and owning that. What's the Coca-Cola's logo over the years? Do they have their name in there? I'm curious about Let's that. Let's see. Yeah. It is... Oh. The C's connected no to the O. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> all right, let's just... We guys look at it there. That's fine. So, what's their mark then on... If you Can you go to the Coca-Cola Twitter? I just want to see what their profile images. Oh, yeah. What's the... Yeah, circle. yeah. If they use, because it's just, I'm not like a logo guy, so it's like lettering. Yeah. World of Coca Cola, I think. Is that not it? No, I think it's the GB one. Coca Cola GB. Sending for global. I thought that'd be great, Brian. They have the Coca Cola Co. Diet Coke. Yeah, I was right. Peter. Peter. GB ain't global, baby. That's great brand. <laughs> Let's see Coke. Maybe just search Coke. Maybe it's Coke. Wait. I think I was right. It was global. Go to the Coca-Cola. Is the world of Coca-Cola. Yeah, it's got to be that one. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, that's it. Or no, is that for their... So they oh, have, that's look their at physical... The, the Coca-Cola Co. is up there. In the recommended. Oh my gosh, we can't even find their Twitter. Coca Cola, right? Here, go back and then. That's it. it. No, that's it. Yeah, Coca Cola. So they just use their letter. I guess it's their word mark, maybe, is the way you'd call it. Word I don't know. I'm not a logo guy. That one's so classy and timeless, dude. When you keep changing your logo all the time, it makes me feel like when do so they haven't changed it since 2007 i mean i like it though because they're more like a hold coat but so is pepsi to a certain extent you know what i mean yeah 
they haven't changed it much much since 1900 1905 is pretty dang i mean even 1890 isn't that different dude the little teardrop at the top of the sea they had that weird oh my gosh they did coke for two years in the 80s with everybody else and then they changed it that must have literally been when the cocaine boom was happening and they got negatively attached <laughs> to cocaine. Coke, Coke. Yeah, Coke, Coke. Wait, did they double ride it? Instead of Coca-Cola, they tried to be Coke, Coke? I don't know if that's two Whoa. versions of what they had there or if that was it was called Coke, Coke in 1985 for two years. What the heck? I got to learn that at some point. I'm going to figure that out tonight on YouTube on my own. Sorry, guys. We won't put you through that torture. But Coke, Coke. Oh, and then they went Coca-Cola, Coke? And then they just got rid of the Coke. But didn't they change their recipe a little? Well, they had Coke, I think, at one point. Like they had cocaine in. Yeah. In their cola. It was cocaine cola. So I wonder that's the difference. That's how they got us all hooked. But yeah, I mean, very, very interesting to see the two logo marks. And Pepsi, to me, is just a completely... Like, I like the new logo better, though, than the current one, than the old one. Yeah. Yeah, and it's very similar to, like you said, the top right one, um, from the '80s. Yeah, the the font's pretty different, but yeah, I like what they did. I like how they had people draw their logo, and they essentially just couldn't shy away from that. Um, and I, I like it. the usage in social media and having the name in the logo versus trying to figure out how to have it separate. I like the old colors though, from '87 and '97. Those to me are some epic colors that that would work in today's like branding market too. Like that would pop. Yeah. It's kind of like a matte yeah. finish to it a bit. Yeah. It's flat. And like the, that baby blue, I just feel like it's kind of hot. Like I feel like that would play right now. It's got two blues on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. looks sweet to me. Yeah. But oh, what other topics you got for us, Scarlett? The next one. Freaking is, Pepsi. Sorry, yeah, so maybe I'll switch to Pepsi. Um, now that they have a new logo. Events. Yeah, events. And this David Rand guy was saying that essentially everybody's. Well, this is what I love. I love when you get a study by any road. So, like, the first thing they reference is a stat by any road. And then it says an experienced management firm. I'm like, yeah, baby. That's what I'm talking about. They've learned something from pharmaceutical brands. But, um,. Essentially, doing your own studies yep. is great for marketing. Mm-hmm. So they're just doing their own study. A separate, if you go down, it says a separate survey found 83% of marketers plan to continue or increase spending on experiential marketing this year. I'm going to call it events. Let's just say events. Yeah, that's where when I hear experiential marketing, I'm thinking VR, AR, immersive experiences to show off your brand yeah let me show you a good example of experiential marketing so we're all the same page go to a spectacles uh, vendor so like this is an example so if you click there through that's experiential marketing where you can experience the product and they'll put up like a they'll tell a bunch of journalists or publicists about we're mm-hmm. going to put a vetting machine in the middle of the you know, Mojave desert and we want to what see like if you go down so this is like uh, up a little more. Sorry. So through pop-up vending machines called snap bots that appear in surprising locations for one day only. That's experiential marketing. Yeah. I think that still works. Can B2B do experiential marketing? Then we'll get to events, but we'll stay on experiential for a second. Like 
can B2B do this that well? Give me an example. Let's come up with one. I know we're not doing market this, but like, let's say Calendly. Okay, I'll do one for Calendly. Yeah. Client of ours. We could look at their Google Ads account, do some day partying, and some location analysis. Figure out what time of day and what locations in the world are their highest converting areas. And then we could release at that exact, you know, area of time, whatever, a giant calendar. And like crossed off through is like say goodbye to scheduling meetings or something and then it would just like have a robot that moved i don't know but you get my point like mm-hmm. you could do a big old calendar in the middle of times square and you could automate it going and it would show like this well i don't know do you think that works do you think we need to do that i mean it gets coverage that's the great part about experiential marketing business insider will do a horror article on it yeah do you think we need it to me it's part of your brand budget i don't know I'm trying to think, like... I know, I stretched your little imagination right there, huh? I mean, Calendly is a good example because it's a pretty broad use case. Like, you could have QR codes that drop, like, a random meeting on your calendar. Okay, we're trying to re-engage Sumo Logic right now, again. Let's say Sumo Logic. What would be a campaign for them? An experiential campaign? Yeah, like, that's like, it's harder, yeah. I mean, they have, like some type of hackathon it's not really like end consumer facing it's gotta be end customer facing free credits (laughs) that's their that's what their customers are looking for i got one ready sumo logic we build a giant telescope for the case of observability see i mean it and then we could essentially like when you look through the telescope you don't see anything instead you see like all the different solutions for the product. Yeah, you could have like... I'm just saying, there's one option at RSA, big tech conference, we put a huge telescope and no booth. We do a huge telescope instead. And when you look through it, you know, you can see all the different product features or something. Yeah, you can do an escape room with like a black light and you can see all like the writing and all the hints using the black light. Like Hopefully just finding like a parallel. See, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you could play on like yeah. just the the product and get very vague with it and find metaphors to like experience the product. Like the telescope. That's I'm saying a telescope for observability. That would be an experiential campaign. And like for you could try to find certain things and you get points for finding it and tie that to application log monitoring. I think the hard part with experiential marketing is how much it costs. You know how much effort it would be to design that vending machine yeah. and still manufacture it? Like, it has to look that sexy and cool or else it doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, that's where, like, that first article with the stat, Yeah, it's like, now that COVID's ending and 85% of marketers are doing events and 70-something percent think they're doing experiential again, it doesn't say, do they think it's going to work? <laughs> Just says they're doing it. But it's like, is it because they feel like they have to be there? Is it the ego thing? I like it better. I'm going to be honest. So if you told me, Garrett, you can do a vending machine campaign or a booth at a conference. I'm taking the vending machine campaign all day. Yeah. Because events to me, like mark my words, directive will never do another booth. Period. I will not do another booth. I will spend that money and be at the conference yeah you can be there and i'll do a party i'll do a telescope (laughs) 
I'll do vending machine. To me, nothing says, trust me, I've got no ideas than doing a booth as a marketing agency. Like, it does, it's not an, to me, a event as a marketing shop, like a directive, it's this moment to flex your creativity. Mm-hmm. Well, you and I did the booth. How will that go for us? <laughs> we were so bad at it. Well, I think as like a professional oh. service, it's also hard. Yeah, but we were so bad. We went to all these shows. I don't think you and I were able to monetize a penny out of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, how many did we do? Like, we did, there's so many me and you just trying to be Yeah, networking. it was a while ago. It was a while ago. We were so bad at it. But even, like, I was in one last year, yeah. and it's just a bunch of... Unqualified visitors. Software companies trying to sell you on what they do. Like, that's what it is. How'd it go for us? We made some connections. <laughs> yeah, no, it went well. We The mm-hmm. thing that went well is we closed a massive <laughs> client... And our POC from Dublin happened to be at the conference and speaking. And so but nothing I was able, to do with the booth. No, I was able to meet her in person Correct. across the world. That was the value I got from that conference, but it wasn't the value I got was exceptionally she, minimal. She met us through LinkedIn as she <laughs> met us through walking up to our booth for the first time. And now there is something to be said about having the biggest booth at a conference. Yeah. I remember, remember we went to uh, we went to all of them. <laughs> you and I really did. But remember we'd go to the ones in the big booths. You were always like, well, that person's the bigger player. And then you'd see like the smaller player and mm-hmm. they had the tiny little booth. And you never think, well, they're better. So I do see how it's like a virtue signal or a confidence signal. But if I'm going to spend, let's say, 75 grand on a booth, I would rather spend 75 grand building a telescope. And putting it in front of the conference. Yeah. Like a street vendor. Yeah, I agree. The biggest booth, that's the difference. Yeah, or like, like uh, the, yeah. Uh, oh, of doing the booths? Yes. I'm just saying, if we were going to sponsor a SaaS-based like conference, yep. and we were the center of the conference, the largest booth, and we had a circular screen that that's, had all of yes. our client logos... That would be a moment where everyone there is like, holy shit, this is the agency to serve Assassin Tech. So I guess I would be okay. So when I say never no booths, I think I would be okay with that idea. Derek, I think he just approved a million dollar budget for the biggest <laughs> booth at Saster. Just look, anytime you get the CEO, play to their ego. It's an easy sell. You won't. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would do something like that. I would say if you don't do that, you might as well just flush your money down the drain. Compared to just a normal booth at, like, row 32Z, like you're at a Costco. And you're like, it just doesn't stand out. Yeah. I mean, you could, like, have the smallest booth and play on, like, we're also the lowest cost, but we're powerful this way. And, Correct. like, set up an experience where you don't need all the room and space. and Or take up a ton of space, but keep it exceptionally frugal. Yeah. And it's just a giant sign of... All our budget goes to client work. Like, see, there are clever ways, but once again, that's clever. So I don't mind when things are creative like that. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't mind, like, buying out six booths and then putting a giant sign that says, no one's here, we're all busy getting customer results, directiveconsulting.com. Now that's clever. Yeah, we're focusing on our clients, not... See, so I will go down with something like that. What I'm not down with is, like, having just, like, two of our best-looking people just being like, hi, I'm... 
Jim. Hi, I'm Susan. <laughs> and then, like collecting business cards. Yeah. That is not it. It's a classic way of doing it, mm-hmm. but not, I don't think it really works. Even trying to make it work of like, we put a key under every chair at the conference, but only one of them unlocks the new AirPod Pros. Come see if your key's the one. Yeah, and people is... will engage in that. Correct. But once they turn it and they don't get the AirPods, they don't care who did the key. And it says nothing about your brand compared to renting out four booths with a giant yeah. sign that says no one's here. We're too busy serving clients. Now that, I'm not going to lie to you. That is not the worst idea. To buy up like a whole row and then just have a giant sign that looks like a, have you ever seen that thing like hiring for graphic designer? The the graphic designer ad? Oh, yeah. Like and it's that. like terrible design. Yes. Something yeah. like that. Watch this. Like hiring for graphic designer right? ad? Yeah. Uh, that one is essentially the concept. I don't know yeah, if that's, that's exactly not the one. one. But it's like that. The city of Los Angeles is now hiring. Gra- like <laughs> something like that style. I think it would be pretty cre- yeah. creative and clever. But for events, I think we're finding the most success doing the private dinners. Mm-hmm. Invite only using the SDR team to book those. And I would say like that little, I wouldn't mind that booth idea. I wouldn't get like the biggest booth and then don't staff it with anyone and just say, sorry, no one's here. We're all busy serving customers. Join us. Join us. And then just QR code. To... And then have all our competitors there with their booths. Yeah, I that like would that. That would be fun. That's just an idea, but I think even better than that would be like renting the Goodyear blimp and flying it around the thing the whole time. Like I don't know. Ideas that stand out to me are more fun than like uh, experiential marketing is like the uh, the anti-girl staring down the bull monument. Remember that? No. There was like, oh, I'm such a nerd with marketing. There was like a... um. In the financial district in New York, there's yeah, like a, the bull statue. Yeah, do like bull statue, experiential marketing. I don't know. Did they add the girl? I think they added the girl. Is what it was. It was like the raging bull, and they, yeah, the fearless girl. I just think it was what's added to it. If that makes sense, or is it the same? I don't know if that. I think it's fearless girl. Let me girl see. Fearless, been there the whole I think time. it's fearless girl campaign. I think that's what I'm referring to. I'm sorry. Now I'm lost. I'm like I thought there was a girl on it. There it is. Fearless girl. Looks like it's like a Banksy installation or some yeah, street so artist would. The sculpture was installed on March 7th ahead of International Women's Day. That's mm. what I loved about it. Now, that's experiential marketing to me, right? Running a campaign. Like, imagine if Dove did that. Yeah. Right? Because that fits their brand narrative perfectly. And they take the fearless girl and they put it right in front of the bull. That, to me, is really cool. Um, And I love that. So, I guess that's experiential marketing when done correctly to me is – a super powerful tactic. I think when it's forced because you have a line item and you don't want to lose your budget, that's when it gets bad. What's your take? Yeah, it's it seems risky. Pres- It'd be to be like... Press is press, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people do it for the press. Correct. Which is weird because it's like that means the majority of people don't actually experience it. Well... But what's the impact? Physically. Yeah. <laughs> I'd report on digital impressions for sure if I was the agency doing that report. Not how many people look through the telescope. How many impressions did we get mm-hmm. of the campaign, of the telescope? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's like to 
well, if this experience isn't great with the product, let's at least do a great experience with marketing. Like, I don't know if it's just making up for the lack of product. You, that's okay. Yeah, Cause the spectacles has been quite the spectacle when it comes to that camp. Like I want to say spectacles has been a massive success with wearables. Nothing really in the wearables. Category yeah. I didn't has. know about that campaign. Yeah, sorry. I was, I'm going back in my little treasure chest of marketing stuff, but yeah, to me, it's just events to me. I would rather do experiential stuff more than events now that I'm saying it a lot. Mm-hmm. But. And yeah, I guess that's the, it seems like that post was defining events as experiential marketing. Which is definitely not. No, no I would say. I, yeah. In my mind, it's way different. Yeah. I think you could have an experiential marketing campaign at an event. Yes. Yes. And that's how you get the people to experience it is hey everyone's here let's build it here and everybody wants to go back to doing events in b2b like they really do want to go back to doing events i just i don't think that the sponsorship booths were doing very well pre-covid to be honest from a roi standpoint so i wouldn't say that they're doing better now if that makes sense and i like what we did we did a customer event all private yeah flew our customers put them in a five-star resort had our own content like did a day to relax it was like a summit mm-hmm. i thought that crushed i thought that was epic uh do we have the video of that we can show that video real quick so this is what we did some of the top CMOs and VPs there. Oof. What a shot. <laughs> Took a lot of takes. They didn't put a tracer on it for a reason. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. thought it was a success i would say events like that intimate smaller targeted audience hosted once again work i just don't think we can spray and pray on doing 15 20 booths this year and see a ton of success yeah i mean this was just so intentional and we went out of our way and it's so noticeable but then events you just you get a booth because you feel like you have to yeah it's definitely different. So I, I agree. Private events would be the way to yeah. do it. And this was for our customers, which yeah. I thought was special, but even doing it for prospects and people yeah. you're not working with yet. And you turn in all this micro level content and you can turn in all these different moments. Um, you can see the little shorts we have, like Russell from Gong responding to a question. I think it's like number four there. You do Q and A. 
AI is kind of similar, where there's always going to be a role for the person because technology can't solve everything. There's always going to be that balance. Turn into these little snippets, and shorts, and technology. So, I don't know. Part of me really likes what that does for you from a content standpoint too, and a brand positioning standpoint. I think it also makes it harder. I think if you do a good enough event that your customers really love, they have to think about it when renewal comes up. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I would say that was a success, but those are some good topics today. So good job, Scarlett. Thank you. <laughs> Any final thoughts, Brady? No, I'm just going to be thinking of like B2B and SaaS and tech experiential. I know. I can see you're like, your brain's churning right now. Campaigns that are worth it. Yes. Right. I think like tying it to ROI and it being better than other things and pulling budget out of like maybe the mid tier performance campaigns to put it in. I don't know. That, I think like, it's to come out of the brand budget, dude. Yeah. I could see that. If you take it out of the brand budget, I think it is more effective than running random programmatic ads. Like, I wouldn't say doing something really creative that gets a ton of press coverage isn't worth it. Yeah. I would just say booths and bad experiential marketing is just bad allocation of capital. Mm -hmm. But good marketing, good marketing. experiential just makes it sticky. Like yeah. that brand real estate. Yeah. You just get stickier and... It's hard to ignore it. Yeah. Makes you mem memorable. So that's original marketing, episode 31. It's going to be dropping this Friday. We're going to try to do weekly shows now. So we're going to cover more up-to-date events and things like that. So you really have an inside look at what's going on in marketing. Feel very up-to-date. One show, obviously hilarious, you know, guests and hosts, whatever you want to call us. But, um, yeah, thanks for being here. Like, subscribe, comment. Um, but every Friday, dropping a new episode uh, with some coverage on current events so you can stay up-to-date with what's going on in marketing. So thanks. See you next week.